The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion. After 10.15, I will share with you some interesting uh, stories, research papers and such. And I'm going to start off with uh, why are some men refusing to wear masks? And you might, maybe this won't surprise you, but it's the same reason they refuse to wear condoms. We'll also talk about The Bachelor reality show. Uh, They're moving towards having... Uh, one for seniors, single seniors. Uh, also, unsolicited uh, dick pics on dating apps. What to do? One company has figured it out. And uh, what's happening to your sex drive right now? So we'll uh, talk about those and more. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with Passion at 514 800 you can always email me as well to lori at drlori.com or call me 514-790-0800. So whether you have questions about sex, love, relationships, you can send them here along uh, anytime during the show because Fridays is a little loosey-goosey. Anything uh, anything goes. You can uh, send in your comments about any of the stories that uh, we're going to be talking about or yeah, any, uh, any advice you want to give to some of our uh, people who write in as well with their questions. Always free to do that. You can text us at 514-800. Uh, let's see. First off, I love your show. Never miss it. I enjoyed your sex trivia tonight. My question is not an important one. I just wanted to know what the name of the song was at the end of your show. All I heard was Saturday night in the song. Uh, thank you for uh, noticing our wonderful song because it is written, produced, and uh, uh, performed by Montreal's very own Stephen Voice, and that song is Mon- uh, Love in Montreal City, which is one of my favorite, all-time favorite songs. He's one of my all-time favorite artists as well, and uh, you can check him out. It's uh, Voice, V-O-Y-C-E. He has a ton of music, and every time he comes up with a, uh, well, not every time, but when he comes up with a new song, he lets us uh, use it, and we've. this is, I think, our second or third, I think it's our third song that uh, we end with. So we're, we always end with a Stephen Voice song. So if you like his music, you can check it out further. He's all over Spotify, everywhere. He's really, really an interesting fellow also. Uh, let's see. I know it doesn't pertain to your show, so this is a uh, public service announcement. A parrot by the name of Gertie has been lost for three weeks. Poor thing. Possibly last seen being picked up in the parking lot of a community center uh, on uh, St. Joseph in Laval, uh, uh, Boulevard Pinaf also, I don't know. The owner misses her tremendously. If anyone knows or has seen anything, contact Lisa at 514-803-1375. So if you see a parrot roaming around, you know the parrots uh, are, are pets. So uh, shout out, please. If you can't, uh, if you don't remember this number, reach out to me and I'll pass along the information 514-800 if you have any thoughts questions etc that you want to share with us i'm happy to help a girlfriend and i work in the same place she was involved with someone there before we started dating she says it is over but she won't tell me who it is 
Should I pressure her to know who it is? If so, can I impose that she has no social contact with this person? It bothers me. What would you do in a situation like this? I, I'm curious to know what uh, what some of you would uh, recommend. So the, the girlfriend says it's over, won't share with him the details of who it was at the office that she was involved with. I, I'm of two minds here. Uh, first of all, everyone has a past. So let's, let's just be real here. Everyone has a past. And the past should have no bearing on what is going on right now. The other issue is the trust. And maybe she just doesn't want to make things weird for anybody, right? It's over, it's over and done with, and she's got nothing left with this person. Um, and, you know, why would she also even have social contact with him? You can tell her, I trust that you won't be seeing this guy socially as a friend. If it's a work thing and everybody's there, it's uh, it's one thing. But maybe it's your own insecurities you have to kind of keep in check here. So the issue of trust is one thing that needs to be uh, looked at. And maybe respect respect the fact that she doesn't want to make things weird for the other person, for you, for her, for anybody. And maybe when, uh, I don't know how long you've been together, but maybe with time, when uh, there's enough earned trust, maybe she'll be able to share that information uh, with you. But pressuring her, not a good idea. That I would not do. That pressure, of, of any kind of pressure is never is never good, right? It never turns out well when you're pressuring a partner to do something because then they just... They buckle under the pressure and then they resent you for it. So it's not really great. Uh, text writes in, why would it matter who? Uh, then what is the limit? What do you mean what is what is the limit? You mean the limit of people in her past? Like, What do you mean by that? Let me know. 514-800 if you want to text in a question. Why are some men unable to ejaculate? Is it a physical or mental issue? So that's a complicated answer to this, uh, to this question because I need this information that's missing here, right? First of all, how old is this person? Um, is the person on uh, medication? Uh, is there some kind of illness? What kind of stimulation? I would ask, is this person able to ejaculate with masturbation, but not with a partner? So with a certain stimulation and not with another stimulation, that would be uh, one reason. Could be that they're very used to one form of stimulation, and so it doesn't quite work with their uh, partner in the same way. Could it be that they are suffering from some kind of performance anxiety, worrying about ejaculating, and so it doesn't happen? That's a possibility. Many medications also uh, have an effect on uh, on ejaculation, so that's, uh, that's something else that's going on. Is this some kind of porn-induced erectile dysfunction? I mean, this doesn't sound like an erectile dysfunction, but it sounds like does the is the person so used to like a ton of stimulation that being with a real person doesn't offer the same amount of stimulation so they have a harder time 
generally with this, I would find uh, people losing their erection more than just the inability to ejaculate. But um, so really, it depends on on multiple factors that have to be uh, that have to be looked at. I've been using Levitra for some time now and find the help I get on a scale of one to 10 is about four, not much. Could something else be wrong? So the medications don't all work uh, on, it's not like uh, one medication works for everybody. There are four different medications for erectile dysfunction. It could be that you may need to try another one. Um, maybe go to uh, a Viagra, for example, or uh, go to um, one that's a, a longer-lasting one that lasts like, uh, and now the name escapes me, in, in my, Cialis. Cialis is the one that you take, which uh, lasts for the weekend. doesn't mean you have a weekend erection, but it means that you could be ready at any time, so offers some spontaneity. So different ones can act differently on, on people. So it's important to have a discussion with your doctor about this, and if need be, let's check out why you're suffering from erectile dysfunction. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Oh, I love my Friday nights, not because it's just the end of the week and I can sleep in a little bit, but because I get to uh, scour the internet, look for interesting stories, studies to share with you. And, uh, and I get to interact with you as well. So I think what was uh, trending, at least on my Facebook uh, page and within my community of sexologists and such, is this whole idea of uh, safe sex uh, being equal to or, or, or very, looking similar to uh, mask wearing, right? Protection. Basically, it's protection from a virus. Uh, and a sexologist Jill McDevitt had uh, made this, she was I think the first one to point it out and then all the news outlets picked it up and, and talked about this. So now um, I want to look at, uh, I want to look at this. So let me just share this article with you. In the midst of rapidly rising case counts and hospitali- hospitalizations during the COVID-19 pandemic, a small but incredibly loud segment of U.S. society has adamantly refused to wear masks. Many of them are men who seem to view masks as emasculating, uh, as emasculating face condoms that must be rejected. So they are they are looked at as face condoms, basically. For example, a look at Donald Trump's debacle of a rally in Tulsa on June 20th shows that men in his base, like Trump himself, avoid wearing masks. Women like Ivanka Trump, by contrast, can choose a mask or not because they have no masculinity to protect. In reality, whether it's a mask or a condom, resistance to these barrier methods of protection, both of which keep the wearer from transmitting a virus to someone else, clearly presents a danger to public health. A man without a mask is willfully endangering people around him by refusing to block his spit and the viruses it could contain. Why would he take these risks to himself and to others? When HIV emerged in the U.S., a key part of the public health response was to urge consistent condom use. Although the advice made obvious sense, like masks, 
In some pockets of the population, people resisted it. Researchers began to dig into the social factors that motivated this resistance. They found that among men who were having sex with women, masculine ideology was associated with rejection of condom use. Three factors were cited as pillars of this ideology, status, toughness, and anti-femininity. Today, the concept has been expanded a bit to encompass other features. The APA, the American Psychological Association, has defined this ideology as a particular constellation of standards that demands that men ascribe to adventure, risk, and violence. Certainly, choosing not to wear the simplest of protective gear during a pandemic is both a risk and an adventure. Now, a lot of people are baffled at this behavior, at balking at something so basic, a disease transmission preventative that has such a low barrier to access. Why do these men perform this mask-free celluloid masculinity in the literal face of a threat? The reason is that eschewing a mask sends a strong social signal in which the bare face is the performance. But who is the audience. Understanding this behavior requires understanding the level of investment that these men have made in their masculine ideology. Trump, reality notwithstanding, is the high priest of this ideology. When he rejected masks, his became the performance to imitate. These men have made a deep commitment and probably engaged in some willful self-deception to remain loyal to Trump. Donning a mask would mean wasting their investment and the perceived fruits of all that self-compromise. So they go maskless. In doing so, they expect that their masculine ideology group will accept them, respect them, and not reject them. The irony is that these men think they're manifesting the ideal of the rugged, individualistic American when their refusal really traces in part to a fear of what other people will think about them. Drunk on a toxic brew of self-interest and that masculine ideology, they mistake their refusal to protect themselves and others as a mark of character, when instead it's a mark on their characters. I thought this was a brilliant piece looking at the condoms of the face. This, If you want to look it up, the condoms of the face, why some men refuse to wear masks. Same reason that they may refuse to wear condoms. Some men, I'm not talking about all men here. Uh, Dr. Lori, the maskless guys are quite a few screws short upstairs and the condomless guys should be left short of all screws downstairs. <laughs> well said. Uh, and uh, in response to that person who wrote in about the, um, the ex at the office and the girlfriend who did not want to share who it was, what is the limit of the following questions after knowing who the young lady dated? Sexual practices, people before. It's an addictive poison that might never end if she submits to answering these types of questions. I'm quick to judge, but I detect insecurity and jealousy on his part. It's just not his business. Um, yes, I think, listen someone's past of course it takes time before you can share the past but pressuring someone to give you answers about your past 
feels very differently than, hey, let's share together to build intimacy or share vulnerabilities or what have you. That builds that that's to build trust, right? And when you have trust, you can share a little bit more and, and a little bit more. But being um, questioned about one's past and then being reactive to that past is a whole different thing. And I've seen couples, uh, new couples break up over this kind of insecurity. So you, you would be quite right. Is anybody a fan of the bachelor? I'm not a big fan. I've, I've seen it. Uh, my daughter made me watch it many times. Um, so I have seen some of it, I'm not a big fan of any reality shows, to tell you the truth, but I might be of this one. This is a new version of The Bachelor where contestants basically are uh, more are senior citizens, single senior citizens, maybe widowed or uh, divorced, maybe some that have never been in love. But you know, in The Bachelor, at some point, they have to meet the parents, right? So this, and in this one, they would be meeting the potential partner's children. So I think it would be for an interesting dynamic, interesting stories, more interesting stories even because seniors have a lot to say and, uh, and have a lot of stories, uh, to tell. So this is in the works right now. They were about to go, they were about to start and then the pandemic hit. So, um, I guess we'll look out for it later on, but I will be sure to find out, uh, when it starts and share that information with you. Five one four eight hundred. If you have any uh, any thoughts, especially about the ma- the non mask wearing, what do you think about that? The parallel between no- refusing to wear a mask and attaching it to one's masculinity, the same way that some men don't want to wear condoms, for example. It's it's the same dynamic at play, which is really fascinating. Like just the, from the social psychology point of view. Uh, so how many people get, um, unsolicited, uh, images? Uh, I know I have, I know a lot of people have, in fact, 41% of women between the ages of 18 to 36 have reported receiving non-consensual sexual images. That's in the UK. In the US, it's 40% of, uh, millennial women. And and that's just the ones they studied, but what about some of the older people as well? So, um, there's a dating app called Badoo, B-A-D-O-O, which has actually launched a new feature called the private detector as part of its uh, self D campaign, which uses AI artificial intelligence technology to recognize if a picture contains more than you bargain for. The app labels anything it suspects to be unsolicited sexual imagery with a filter before it can be burned into your retinas. Badu said it wants to make users think twice before pressing send on explicit pics. So again, a lot, like close to half of uh, younger women have experienced this, receiving, uh, receiving unsolicited pictures. So with uh, Badu's new feature, explicit images will appear blurred with a message overlaid, which reads, this photo can contain inappropriate content. Open it on your own risk. Tap to see the photo. If you want to click to look, that is up to you. 
but uh, you can also decline uh, the photo. Apparently, they have a 98% success rate with this uh, with this AI system. So to launch the feature and spread awareness about the importance of consent on dating apps, Badu created a short film in the style of a spoof infomercial starring brand ambassador and British MC Big Nasty. Um, you can watch it uh, on YouTube. In on his involvement in the campaign, he said, "I know some guys love to show off their crown jewels, but it's not something everyone wants to see. You need to respect people's privacy and sometimes leave some things to the imagination. By the way, by law, it's indecent exposure to flash your naked body on the street. The same rules should apply online. We've had this discussion uh, on the show before, right? Uh, the issue uh, has been so widespread that the UK government is currently trying to pass a bill to criminalize sending." photos of your junk without getting consent first in texas that law is in place uh, but it takes a while to of course uh, change laws i love this line here in the article a penis is like a religion it's cool that you have one but don't shove it in my face unless i ask okay um, i thought that was uh, interesting and then uh, coming up we'll talk about why do guys feel the need to send them in the first place and get your thoughts on this. Passion with Dr. Lori Batido on CJAD 800. Just about anything goes tonight on Passion. would love to hear some of your thoughts on some of the stories I'm sharing with you tonight. In response to the condom theory, this person writes, it's just that, an opinion well written into a theory that begs me to challenge it. There were just too many op-eds merged into a single conclusion. Parts of it were indeed brilliant, and then parts seemed like nothing more than fill-ins. Well, certainly something for us to think about, if and it, at the very least, right? Uh, and here, think about this in terms of um, men sending, especially on dating apps, unsolicited pictures of their junk. Okay, this happens to over 40% of 18 to 36 year olds. And God knows it, it'll jump up if you, you know, maybe add older age groups. I don't know. I know personally, I have received them not on dating apps, but on other social media platforms. And it's not, a, it's not a pleasant experience. I'm just uh, telling you that right now. So why is it that men send them in the first place? So there was a study done, a Singles in America study, large study, that found that the most common motivation was that the men were hoping to receive a photo in return. So 44% were hoping that by sending you a naked picture, you would send them a naked picture. Uh, followed by finding a sexual or romantic partner, 33%. In other words, most of the senders seem to hope that the recipient would be turned on, willing to reciprocate, or that that would convince them to go on a date. Really? So let's say you met somebody in real life in a bar. You're trying to impress them and you want to ask them on a date. Do you flash them? Do you think that's going to help your cause? First of all, if you did it in real life, you would get arrested because you don't do that. And if you don't do it in real life, why would you do it online? It's not sexy unless both people think it is and say it is. 
Okay, so there you go. Uh, as for children appearing on a reality show, there is a risk they may be open to ridicule. Will the next thesis be on the male children not wearing masks? I don't truly mean that. Just asking where does it end? No, 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 no. Let me just backtrack here. The Bachelor looking at senior citizens, they would be meeting the adult children of these uh, these people, the, the participants or the contestants of The Bachelor. Nobody's meeting little children. They would be meeting the adult children, right? It's like having the adult it's like having the sex talk with your uh older parents who are single that kind of thing so it's not about it's not about children 514-800 i'd love to get some of your thoughts on any of the stories we're sharing what about this one this is the headline massachusetts city will now recognize polyamorous relationships A Massachusetts city this week passed a groundbreaking ordinance recognizing poly relationships, broadening the definition of domestic partnerships to include three or more people. Isn't that the same as polygamy? Uh, On Thursday this past week, the city council of the left-leaning city of Somerville unanimously voted to pass the new domestic partnership policy, which will allow participants of multiple people, partnerships of multiple people to have the same rights as married couples. The policy does not specify that the relationship between domestic partners needs to be uh, romantic. The ruling marks Somerville's first domestic partnership ordinance, uh, saying that it may be the first policy of its kind in the U.S. The counselor, uh, Lance Davis, um, and another counselor, told the Times that he knows of at least two dozen polyamorous households in the city of approximately 80,000 residents. People have been living in families that include more than two adults forever. Here in Somerville, families sometimes look like one man and one woman, but sometimes it looks like two people. Everyone on the block thinks they are they are sisters because they've lived together forever. Or sometimes it's an aunt and an uncle or an aunt and two uncles raising two kids. He says, this is simply allowing that change, allowing people to say, this is my partner and this is my other partner. That's in one city. It's not a statewide thing. So don't know how that will play out anywhere else or how it will be recognized anywhere else. So an issue that keeps coming up, especially during the, uh, the pandemic, is the issue of sex drive, right? For some people, they're like, where the heck has the sex drive gone? Well, right now, our sex drive may be all over the place. There was a recent poll that showed that uh, sex lives haven't changed all that much during the pandemic. Uh, Some people have actually found their sexual groove even more now than ever, but others quite uh, the opposite. So this was conducted in the last week of May, uh, and they found that most people report their sex lives have remained unchanged. 38% of Americans report never having sex in an average week since stay-at-home orders began in early March, compared to 33% who reported the same 
before the pandemic. So it's not like a huge, huge difference. One thing is clear, quarantining indefinitely has majorly upped panic levels for some people, all while greatly reducing them in others, particularly those who are used to experiencing anxiety and depression in their pre-pandemic life. And because sexual desire and stress are often interlinked, it's natural that some people's sex drives have either plummeted or perhaps even reached new peaks. So as you can see, a little bit all over the place. For some people, that sense of homeostasis and nesting creates this ability to cultivate a desire to have sex. So in other words, people who find themselves in a place of relative stability right now may experience an uptick simply from having more time to rest and take care of their other needs first. Uh, Smaller amounts of adrenaline and anxiety can heighten a person's sex drive, but too much stress and uh, floods the body with cortisol, which has multiple physiological effects that lower libido. So while sex is a fantastic natural stress reliever, too much stress often leaves people with little to no sex drive. It's just like, how do you measure level of stress, right? Because it could be different for everybody. What's too much for one person may not be too much for um, another person. So people have been, uh, for some people, they've been finding it really difficult and others they've had like, hey, look at all this time we have. Look how much less stress we're experiencing. Look how much simpler life is. I can take care of things that I need to take care of. I can take care of me. Uh, so those would be people whose stress levels went down, not not up. Coming up, the six little green flags that you have found a keeper. So not the red flags, which we often talk about, but the green flags that you can look for and hopefully your relationship has them all. Wouldn't that be great? safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. This texture writes in, Dr. Lori, have these dick pickers ever heard of the word judgment? Since things come in threes, I bet they don't wear condoms and masks either. Three for one for Mr. Me, myself, and I. What a catch. Good one. All right, I found this kind of sweet. Six little green flags that you have found a keeper. We've often talked about the red flags, but it's nice to hear the good stuff, right? Uh, So I'll give you the six six green flags or six things to look for that hmm, you probably are with the right person. They are the first person you want to share good or bad news with. You are the real authentic you around you. So you are 100% yourself. Their communication skills are top notch, even when life is crappy. They're flexible enough to do some things your way without being resentful, blaming, or thinking they have lost. Uh, Remember, couples with sticking power have arguments, but in the midst of the fight, they keep one thought firmly in mind. We are on the same team. Uh, Number five, your close friends are big fans of your choice of person, of partner, 
And number six, you are proud to call them your partner. At the end of the day, you're proud to have this person by your side and they feel exactly the same way about you. Whether it's their dedication to their career, passion for volunteer work, commitment to friends and family, or the knowledge that you could take them anywhere and they could hold their own, you are proud to know this person and to have them by your side. Those are the six little things that you uh, probably have found yourself a keeper. Uh, Texter writes in, Dr. L, this is the first time I've heard your show. It's fantastic. You casually approach any topic with ease. It is that ease that attracts listeners, I would guess. I'm hooked. Uh, Signed B. That is so nice. I'm so happy that you found us. We have been on the air for uh, 21 years. We're going into our 22nd year next month, actually. So welcome to our little passion community I love having you. So thank you. And thank you for uh, texting your thoughts as well. You know, we welcome that as well. All right. I read this thing. You know, we've talked on the show many times about manscaping. Why? People always have questions about that, right? Should I? Shouldn't I? What do women like? What do guys like? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, So uh, online there was uh, an answer to this and I thought it was really good. And here was the question. Everyone probably says this, but I'm truly asking for a friend. What's the bottom line on manscaping? My guy friends are talking about lightening up their body hair, and I'm curious to know whether this is even a thing. Shaving or waxing your chest, is this fashionable? Will my friend look odd with bare chest this summer? And gulp, what about shaving down there? Women go bare all the time, but should a man get rid of pubic hair? And do testicles count? So, uh... (laughs) This is uh, some advice uh, being given here. So here, I'm going to read this to you. Manscaping is here to stay. Many spas and salons now offer waxing services to men, and there are plenty of at-home tools available to help you win at this game. We talked about this with the uh, fellow, the owner of Bloke, that specializes basically in in all of men's grooming needs, and he was talking about uh, manscaping and the demand for manscaping. Uh, So manscaping can help enhance muscle definition, improve your sex life, how I don't know, and leave you with a penis that looks noticeably larger. This has become uh, more and more uh, popular. The trend came about most likely because of the adult film industry, most likely. Uh, Men's Health Survey showed that the majority of men have, at some point, been pressured by their partner to trim or shave the hair on their chest, back, groin, and butt. The reason? It feels great to snuggle up to a man who prioritizes smooth skin. This physical closeness can lead to greater intimacy with your partner and maybe eventually more sex. Wasn't there a time when, like, the burlier the better? I don't know. Like, hair was the the sign of, of, of virility and masculinity. That's gone out the window now, by the way. Uh, below the belt, oral hygiene is obviously super important, and a groomed or hairless experience can make oral sex more enjoyable for both partners. Long, sweaty, and matted pubic hair is a turnoff for most people and quick, can quickly kill the sexy vibe. It's also no secret that manscaping can make you feel more confident about your body, and when you project that kind of energy out into the world, you appear more attractive to others but manscaping has its risks right 
uh, risks of ingrown hair or folliculitis, uh, which is an inflammation of the hair follicles, that certainly can increase uh, for men, especially because their hair is much coarser, more dense. Uh, this is not for everybody. It can also be quite costly. Ask any woman who goes to her esthetician for uh, waxing every few weeks. It can be uh, a financial uh, cost for sure. So there is uh, there is that as well. So that's the the lowdown on uh, mansking. I've said this before, this text writes, be very, very careful when you shave your butt between the cheeks. Yeah, I'm not so sure you should really be shaving there. Anyway, the skin there is is, is more sensitive and, and, and thinner, so it can, it can tear easily. Uh, I wouldn't wax myself. That's going too far for me. A bit of light grooming periodically, just my own choice there. Yes, a lot of men choose to uh, just trim, right? Just trim the hairs down. You could trim it down to almost nothing, right? It's like having a very short beard, for example. Um, very, very trimmed uh, beard. Same same kind of uh, uh, concept. Hi, Dr. Lori. Green flags. What a great idea. Yeah, I love the idea of a green flag rather than a red flags. We talk so much about the red flags. It's nice to know there are green flags as well. All right, what can I share with you? Last little uh, bit. Um, okay, last little bit. This is a whole topic that I, one of these days I'm going to do a whole uh, show on the sexless marriage. But the question is, can a sexless marriage survive? And I'm going to just give you the lowdown quickly how it can survive. So it, it can survive under certain circumstances. And by the way, there are more, more sexless marriages out there than you probably can imagine and the the definition is having sex under 10 times a year and the number that i found in terms of the the numbers of of marriages that who have sex less than 10 times a year is about one in four does that mean all these relationships are in trouble absolutely not so it is it is possible for a sexless marriage to survive under certain conditions here they are both partners have low libidos. So it's not going to be problematic for a marriage when both partners share similarly low levels of sexual desire. It doesn't mean they don't feel emotionally fulfilled or even sexually fulfilled. They can be fulfilled if they have sex, let's say, you know, eight times in the year and it, they're enjoying themselves but it's not what uh, it's not what drives them. The important thing is that they are both on the same page. That's the most important thing. Another factor is one partner has a health issue that affects their sex drive or their performance. So it could be that somebody has a certain physical condition. It could be that somebody gave birth. It could be that there are mental health issues, things like this. And then uh, some of them are temporary, some of them are more permanent. So it's up to each couple to decide whether they are willing to stick it out and for how long when regular sex is no longer part of the equation. So um, there's that. The, the couple who values other aspects of their life together more than they value their sex life could also easily survive a sexless 
relationships. So maybe their focus is on many other things. It doesn't mean they are not happy. Uh, sex may be a fun activity that they dabble in now and then, but it is not a top priority for them. It isn't even integral to keeping their bond strong. So these couples have a very strong bond, but their uh, sex life is not uh, on the priority list. And they both feel the same way. So, um, for these couples, it's okay. It works, uh, it works for them. Of course, we know that for many couples, a lack of sex can make it very difficult to sustain uh, a marriage. It only works. A sexless marriage only works if both partners are on the same page and they have to be on the same page in terms of level of desire and on the same page in terms of the role sex plays in their lives and in their relationship. Otherwise you end up with hurt feelings, lots of resentment, and you end up in my office. So if you are a couple that are not having a lot of sex, but you're both okay with it, there's nothing wrong with you that you have created your own normal and that is perfectly fine. The main issue when it comes to it being problematic is if there is distress attached to it. If neither of you are distressed by the, 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 the condition of your relationship and what's going on sexually speaking, then there's no problem. Don't worry about it. Don't let society tell you that you should be doing this, that, or the other. Whatever works for you as a couple is fine. So this is clearly, you know, a huge topic that we can spend a lot of time on and and we'll do that at some point. I wouldn't call sex about 10 times a year in a relationship sexless, maybe fewer than two or three. Instead, you listen, you're right, because many couples fall into that uh, category, have sex, let's say once a month or so, and they don't consider it sexless, but it's just a definition that's been used with, um, uh, in surveys, uh, in surveys and such. So there you go. Uh, thank you. We've uh, pretty much run out of a uh, racetrack here. I appreciate your uh, spending time with me. Uh, very much so. I appreciate our technical producer, Nicole Proano, as well, and our passion researcher, Linda Delisi, who uh, finds me all these uh, wonderful uh, topics to share with you. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito, or uh, you can uh, contact me through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.